Welcome to episode four of Fish Across the Pond, a Miami Marlins UK baseball podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and joining me today, we've got Bob Bamba from Braves UK. Bob, how are you? Very good, Pete. I'm currently watching the Nats blow a eighth inning lead, uh, which admittedly doesn't tell you much because that could be any of the last four or five games um, <laughs> against against the Phillies. Uh, I'm doing well, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good as well. Um, thanks for thanks for joining. Uh, let's let's cover the Nats actually quickly. Let's put something to bed here. Um, were, are you a closet Nats fan as well? Were you potentially a Nats fan before you were a Braves fan? Let's let's kind of get stuck into that first as well. No, Some hard hitting no, topics. No, no. The, the context quickly behind the Nats thing was is that when I picked up baseball in 2017, I was I decided to follow the Braves. And then about the end of June, the Braves kind of gave up. Like we, we, we traded away a couple of our decent-ish players. I think Jaime Garcia was one of them. Not that he's been decent very much since. Um, and because I'd only really been watching the Braves, because I'd been there the year before, the Marlins, because I'd been to Marlins Park the year before, and the Nats, because they were in our division, I kind of just started watching the Nats a lot. So I have just seen a lot of them, having watched a lot of them in the back end of 2017. I quite like their commentary team. I quite know their players a lot. Um, but no, I, I'm quite enjoying watching their bullpen implode. So um, <laughs> I, I have a little bit of a spot for them compared to, say, the Phillies and the Mets, but but that would be about it. Yeah, good one. Glad we've, I'm glad we got I'm, that I'm away. I'm that now. <laughs> um, good well 2018 the Braves I think overachieved I guess in terms of 90 wins uh, winning the division don't think that was really fully expected at, uh, you know hand on heart at the start of 2018 for you guys um, I think looking back on it and it's maybe topical for this podcast in particular um, a 14 and 5 record against the Marlins which I think had a had a was a big part of the success really for you guys and where you ended up. So, you know, we, it was a it was a good and unexpected result. But um, you know, as we move into the off season, um, what's what's been the main the main topics and main news coming out of out of the Braves camp throughout the off season? Well, I would add that we won the division last year by eight games. So even if we'd have split. 18 games against the Marlins, we'd have still won it. Um, as for the off-season, like, I think we, we entered the off-season thinking job done, um, thinking we had a very good year. We took advantage of perhaps a slightly unexpectedly weak division. I don't think anyone would have called the Nats being as bad as they were, although that seems mm-hmm. to be a common theme at the moment. Um, the Phillies looked good for a while and then didn't. Um, and then we kind of got to the postseason and kind of got blown away. And I think everyone was like, okay, the Dodgers are better than us. That's fine. We're okay with that logic. Um, now let's let's come through and see if we can strengthen the side as the Phillies go 8-6 up. See if we can strengthen the side um, and get to the point where in 2019, where not only can we compete for the division again, but we can get to the postseason and think, right, we can actually have a good run at this. Uh, the reality, we started the post-season, off-season, I should say, very, very well. Um, I think Donaldson at the time, $23 million or whatever it was on a one-year contract, was mm-hmm. probably the biggest move of the off-season, perhaps excluding, say, the Clayton Kershaw extension at the Dodgers. Um, and a lot of us thought, 
what a great start. Like the start of perhaps two or three extra moves that will take us from being not just a good team in the Annalise to being a genuinely good team. Yeah. Um, then the Phillies started making moves. The Nats made a few more. The Mets started to do a few things. And for a while it was like, okay, everyone's made their move. Now it's our turn again. And then the Phillies started to make more moves and everything else started to happen. And then we re-signed Nick Markakis and I was quite happy with that. But it was like, uh, this is, you know, this is... In comparison. This, this, yes. You know, Nick yeah. Markakis wasn't like, you know, wasn't an Andrew McCutcheon type. Um, yeah. He wasn't, say, the type of player that the, you know, the Phillies were going after or even the Naps were going after, say, like someone like Brian Dozier um, or, or guys like that. Um, and then we got Mark Kakis back, and you're like, well, it's it's still okay. There's still guys out there. We still need to improve, but we've got the we've got the budget and the ability to be able to do that. We've got the prospects to do that if you want to make a trade. And then spring training starts, and you're like, you start looking at your watch and going, well, you know, are any of these guys going to arrive? And and then we get to the end of spring training, and it's like, we haven't signed Craig Kimbrell, but neither has anyone. Uh, no. We haven't signed Dallas Keuchel, neither has anyone. Um, and you now look at some of the teams around us and you're like, I don't think we're going to win the division now. Um, mm. Which, given that at the start of the offseason, I'd argue that we were at worst in as better position as anyone, as good a position as anyone in the division, i.e. the Nats to be able to progress forward. Mm. Uh, we've been caught up, unarguably, I think, by a lot of those sides. Um, and you might well argue that the Nats and the Phillies have, have surpassed us in terms of the, the quality of their team. So yeah. it's been okay. Like, you know, we're, we're not, you know, it's not the end of the world if we're not in the postseason this year. This is a team set to compete for a long term. It's fine. Um, but given where we could have been, it was a bit of a disappointing offseason. Yeah, that sounds sounds fair. Out of interest, who do you have? Okay, we're only you know, five, six games in. Who do you have as favourite to win the division now? Uh, I'm still leaning on the Nats. Like I, I think it, it's yeah. too early. You know, if 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 you're making a preseason prediction, I don't think five, six games or anything. You know, the Red no. Sox are one, one and four, one and five at the moment. Like I, I, don't, I think it's too early to read anything into the to the early season stuff. I must admit, having seen the Phillies for a few games now, boy, do they look good. Um, like yeah. it was, it was during that opening game, and like Terrell was pitching quite well. I'm like, I'm just exhausted watching these innings. And then you, you know, Terrell would like fight through like the Phillies kind of middle order. You're like, oh, thank God. And then you get round to the top of the next innings, and it was like Real Muto, Herrera, Hernandez. You're like, oh man, this never ends. No respite um, with that boys. Yeah, and like, yeah, there's been a bit of a circus around the Phillies in the first four or five games, and to their credit, they've handled it very well. Uh, I'd still say the Nats now, just like I say, I don't think you can read too much into it early on, um, but the Nats have got to improve. Like, again, you don't want to read too much into four or five games. Their bullpen's all over the place. They're making a crapload of unforced errors, base running errors, like simple stuff. Um, they've got to improve. Phillies look good. Bets look good. Um, and the Braves need to improve as well. Yeah, yeah, good. Well, on, from a Braves perspective, um, no, I saw a little bit of them last year, but from a strengths and weaknesses perspective, how, how do you think you guys are stacking up You know, going into 2019? Uh, I mean, the, the you know, Addy and Donaldson makes the hitting side of things if Donaldson comes off and he's 
taking his time to get going, but as we say, four or five games. Yeah. Addy and Donson makes that lineup. I would argue you could stack that lineup against anything that the division has to offer. Um, mm. You know, we approach at bats in a different kind of way, say, so the Phillies do. Um, but Donaldson, Freeman, Acuna, Encierte, Marcakis, Albies, there's a lot of really talented hitting in there. Yeah. Um, hitting seems fine. The pitching, I think, by most educated standards, probably overachieved a bit last year. Um, like, you know, Kevin Gaussman came over from the Orioles and he was kind of a pickup as part of a bit of a a trade with the Orioles that included Darren O'Day and we sent them some prospects we didn't really want anymore. Um, and Gaussman came in and pitched incredibly well for the Braves in that kind of two, two and a bit month period between the air and the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone's looking at him and going... The overall numbers look good, but he chances are he'll probably regress this year. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we've got this big battery of young play, young pitching talent um, that I think will eventually come good. But the the thing we've had, and perhaps since um, you know, since perhaps we were discussing this say four or five weeks ago, is that we've exposed some of that a little bit earlier than we perhaps would have liked. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that the, the strengths definitely are depth in pitching um, and a very very solid core of hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the weaknesses perhaps are a lack of experience, a lack of top end pitching when you compare us say to. Um, the Phillies with Nola, say to the Nats with Shirts of Corbin Strasburg, say to the Mets yeah. with Syndergaard and DeGrom. Fulton Erich is good, but he's not in that league. Um, no. And then you kind of tick down from that and you've got a lot of guys that you're asking to kind of outperform their average. Um, so, yeah, plenty of depth, plenty of talent, but a lot of guys with what you'd probably call wide margins. Um, you know, high ceilings, but a lot of potentials perhaps not quite reach that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, aside from the the pitching, but in terms of the lineup and uh, some young talent there, I think a topical story from this week, which I'd like to get your take on. I've got mine, which uh, is with the Acuna uh, extension. For me, at the face of it, looks uh, an incredible deal for the Braves. Actually, so what's your take on that one? Yeah, I mean. There's certainly a case that the Braves have taken advantage of a you know of a collective bargaining agreement that seems to disadvantage young players. Um, you know, Acuna, as it would have stood, in all likelihood, would have earned league minimum this year. I don't know whether we would have earned league minimum next year or not, um, but either way, would have suppressed a guy like Acuna's earning potential in the Mm -hmm. sense that, you know, we're talking about a rookie of the year last year, we're talking about a guy that could potentially be an MVP candidate this year that would have earned $550,000 this year as it sounds and and still will, the extension won't won't kick in until next year. Um, And we're talking about a guy that, say, unlike a lot of draft signees at the top end, or in his case, a lot of international amateurs, didn't get a lot of money when he first signed. Like Acuna signed, I think, for the Braves for $100,000 when he first signed. And so even a year into his major league career, probably hasn't earned a million dollars yet. Um, And, you know, I don't want to stereotype just because he's from Venezuela, but there's a decent chance that his family aren't massively well off. But even if they're not, there's also a decent chance that $100 is is a hell of a lot of money for them, whatever happened. (laughs) Um, 
I'm pretty and sure so of that. Not, yeah, I, I, I'm fairly, fairly okay saying that. But regardless of what you think around the context, it's a very different equation when someone sits in a room with you and says, we have got a piece of paper here that if you sign it will guarantee you $100 million. Mm. All the stuff surrounding whatever you think about, whether he could be earning 150 or 200 in that time, whether yeah. he could have hit free agency as a 26-year-old and signed a Bryce Harper-type agreement. I'm very happy for him. Like The guy's just set himself up for life and some. Who knows what could happen in the next, you know, two, three years in terms of his career. Who knows whether he might get injured or not. He's now guaranteed $100 million, um, and that's great for him. The flip yeah. side of that, though, is that it might well be the best contract in baseball from a team perspective. It, if not, it's only going to be second behind the deal that um, Jose Ramirez, I should say, has got with the Cleveland Indians in terms of team friendliness. Um, yeah. We're going to be paying him $100 million for the next... 10 years or so probably in his prime production productive years um that's a hell of a deal so yeah like i'm I, i'm not alien to the context but i think as someone said yesterday you can think both that acuna's got a great deal and that he's also lost himself a lot of money like you can think both of those things i'm just very happy for him in the sense that he's guaranteed himself a buttload of money Perhaps he should have got more. I kind of feel like the Braves could have offered him a bit more. A few of the contracts... <laughs> they low like, him. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the Aaron Nola deal that the Phillies gave Nola. I mean, like, they're agreeing to it. This is an arbitration. But, mm. like, I kind of feel like Aaron Nola said, I'll give you, I'll give you a team-friendly deal. I'll sign one. And then the Phillies still not, like, $15 million off that. I'm like, if, if the Braves had assigned Acuna for $140 million, the conversation would not have changed at all. No. No same one would have thought. Yeah, it would have been. A, would have been saying the same things. One hundred and forty mm. million over ten years, an average or um, annual value of fourteen million dollars a year for a guy who projects as well as Acuna is still ridiculous. And we got him for a forty million less. Um, for, so yeah, from a team perspective, this is only going to be good news for us. Um, yeah. Like I said, I'm. I'm not alien to the context in which Acuna signed it. And unlike, say, arbitration, he signed this deal. He seems very happy. And I'm never going to earn $100 million in my life. So I, I can never be in a position to say that you're an idiot for, for accepting it. <laughs> well, hold on. These The royalties from these podcasts can be pretty, pretty sizable. So. <laughs> There's still true. hope. Um, hey, listen, uh, a, a quick one. Just thinking about it, you know, if we think maybe they've saved... 40, 60 million on um, maybe this Acuna deal. Um, where do you sit now after you know, a week of the season? We've mentioned two guys that are still out there, Keichel and Kimbrell. Uh, could you see a situation where you sign one or both of them still now and use some of that money that maybe you've saved on Acuna? Um, I, I don't think the two are particularly interlinked. Um, no. We're paying we're paying a junior league minimum this year anyway, um, and on the subject of uh, Keichel and Kimbrel, I kind of think in both cases, if we were gonna sign one of them by now, I feel like we would have done, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that you can't feel like Kimbrel's bargaining power is any lower than it would have been, say, mid March. 
Um, you know, there's a thought that teams might be waiting for the amateur draft to pass so that the whole thing about losing a pick goes away. But it seems absolutely ridiculous to wait 11 weeks into the season just for the sake of not losing a pick. Although we shouldn't be adding to the fact that because the Braves can't sign international free agents at the moment, that they probably are a bit more keen than some teams to hold on to those. Um, I kind of figured, like, on a guy like Craig Kimbrell, if we were going to get the deal done, we would have done it by now. I can't foresee Kimbrell getting into May and then he's asking price going down a particularly long way. Um, maybe it will. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't foresee the situation changing in six weeks. Um, I no idea what's going on, but I'd be pretty surprised if either one signed with us now. Yeah. I personally, I saw... Uh... And there's, there's still an angle on Kimbrell, an ex-Brave. We certainly need the relief help. Um, but I feel like Keiko will be, you know, a, pit, a starting pitcher for a major team is going to go down at some point, And then you feel like someone's going to go, Keiko's available, we need him. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be the Braves in the sense that, like I said, we've got a whole low, we've got a whole procession of, of young starting pitchers. Us losing a guy at the top end isn't going to be quite as significant, say, as it might be for a team like the Phillies, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I personally, I thought from Kimbrell, particularly when, hey, again, another guy beginning with a K, but Corey Knable at, uh, at the Brewers, with him going down, I thought, hey, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I know they got Josh Hader there, who started on fire this year anyway. Um, but I thought that that was the one that made sense to me. And I guess what you've just said for Keichel is the same. Someone goes down, injuries happen, it is what it is. Um, I think they're, they're hanging on. They know their value or they have a value in their mind. And they're going to wait, in effect, probably for injuries to kick in for a contender and capitalise on on that issue at that moment in time. And those guys will make the deal, I guess. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that one plays out um, with those both of those guys. Um, so we've got a three-game series, the first series of the season coming up, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, I know I can see the Marlins rotation uh, is, is set for those games. So Friday with Lopez, Saturday Alcantara, and Sunday rounding off with Caleb Smith. So... Uh, uh, we've we've talked about already on on our Marlins podcast, and I think across uh, in general coverage of, of baseball, talking about the Marlins rotation anyway. There's there's definitely a lot of positive signs there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look forward to seeing these guys um, go up against, as we've already talked about, an extremely strong Braves lineup. We've already had a, a series against the Rockies. You know they're they're extremely strong as well. Um, so I'm going to be really interested to see how that goes. What, what are you thinking? How do you think the rotation is going to play out from a Braves perspective? Who, who, are you, who are we expected to see potentially Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Well, I'm just looking at ESPN at the moment, and they've got Kevin Gaussman to play in the Friday game. Uh, Gaussman's on the IL at the moment, although I think he's rehabbing. Um, I think the re- part of the reason why... Um, there's a bit of uncertainty there is whether he comes back and how that plays out. Uh, I think it's Tehran pitching. Let me just check. I think Tehran's pitching tonight uh, against the Cubs. Yes, he is. Um, and then I think it will be Max Fried tomorrow. Um, and then I think if Gaussman's healthy and ready to go, he'll pitch Friday. Um, then you've got 
Bryce Wilson, who pitched the Saturday game against the Phillies. I think he'll pitch for Friday if not. Um, there's quite a few different options, I think, is the reality. Carl Wright's still knocking around. He pitched on Sunday. Um, I would imagine it would be Gaussman, Wilson, and then, uh, in theory, at that point, it could loop back round to Tehran on the Sunday. Like The whole thing with multiple off days in the first week of the season, combined yeah. with um, Braves having Gaussman on the IL and Fultonevich not being ready either, has kind of thrown everything into whack. But I would guess it would be Gaussman Friday, Wilson Saturday, and then back to Tehran on Sunday, with the view that they'll probably send Carl Wright back down to the minors. Um, yeah. but that, when's again, faulty due back um, sooner than we think I think he's gonna um, I, I think the next week or so I think he's gonna start bullpenning in the next couple of days um, then he might get sent down to I think it's still minor league spring training at the moment um, but I think if everything goes well maybe next weekend speculating a bit I feel like I watched this yesterday there was an interview with Fortunovic on on Monday's Cubs game and I don't think I was paying enough attention but I think it's I think it's next week rather than the week after yeah well I think that'll be a nice addition back to the rotation for you guys um and it's been you know the reality is you had a tough opening series away at the Phillies and there's a lot of hysteria around there at the moment as we, I think we've already touched upon as well um, so you know tough tough start but you got your first the first victory um, I didn't see the game but the score the box score looked odd an 8-0 victory which was great and impressive but six errors from the Cubs so I'm not entirely sure how that exactly played out I don't know if that was the Cubs blowing up or it was the Braves Hammering them, um, Maybe, bit of both maybe. <laughs> it, 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 it was certainly a lot more even than the score suggests, in the sense that right. Newcomb got himself into a lot of holes in the first four innings of that game and got out of all of them successfully. Right. Um, and the Cubs, I mean, they made three errors in the first inning. Like they were, you know, they, they were tr- they were always trying to make mistakes. At one point, it felt like um, <laughs> that's one of those games where it's very difficult to read anything into it. Um, yeah. Like we hit a bit better than we had done. And the Philly series was a strange one. There was a massive circus around it. Um, you know, and that's not you know it's the circus for both teams. It kind of felt like a homecoming for the first Phillies team in about six seven years that people thought might have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and they rose to the occasion. And like like I say, like you know the. The, the, the Phillies are just—they're just gonna—they're just, gonna, just a relentless batting lineup. Like I'm—I'm I'm watching this Nats game at the moment, and then like I—I I put in the, the the UK WhatsApp group earlier. I'm like, well, you know, the, the Phillies are two runs down here, but the Nats are going to need more than at six to win this game. And sure enough, the, the Nats bullpen comes in and blows it up. Um, but yeah, it was tough in that opening weekend in the sense that this is. This is the Gabe Kapler dream. This is people grind out at bat after at bat. Uh, I say that as the Phillies have just thrown one into the dugout. It's eight all now. They grind out at bat after at bat with a lineup that can finally do that. Like one of the things I've read in the Athletic this week was that the Phillies have got this lineup that's just uh, is very good at working deep counts and stealing strikes. They call it and other things like that. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of a bit of a hysteria field. It didn't help the fact that we had two rookies in the in the first three games. Um, it didn't help that our bullpen was, you know, 
I mean, <laughs> you know, like a team that can work deep counts against a bullpen that can't throw strikes, um, you know, is, is a pretty depressing thing to watch. But yeah, it was nice to get back to SunTrust Park in a more becalmed and familiar atmosphere. Um, <laughs> and it was it was nice to get one on the board. I don't think it's a bad time to be playing the Cubs right now. Um, no. They're trying to settle things down. You know, we, we get to face Hugh Darvish tomorrow. We had a, we had a rough mm. outing against Texas at the weekend. A lot of walks. Um, a lot of walks flying uh, from his Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, although we don't, want to comp- we don't want to mention that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll be honest, having had that series... Um, and I get the feeling a lot of teams might have run into the Phillies that opening weekend and just got blown away, just such yeah. the, the kind of party at the start. Being able to follow that against the kind of up-and-down Cubs side and then play a weekend series, no offence, against the Marlins. I'll eat my words if you know if we struggle. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit nicer to come down to earth a little bit into some what you might call more regular season play. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I suppose, you know, it's... I suppose the key question going into the series is three games uh, in this first series of the year. What what's what's the minimum requirements from a Braves perspective, or what? And equally, what are you expecting? They may be two well, different answers. <laughs> well, I, I'm reluctant to, to to make kind of series predictions in the sense that, like, you, you're probably always just going to say two one, just because of how variance works in baseball. Um, I think it's more a case of, like, one, can we get some kind of sense of normality with our rotation? Um, and two, can we start to get some of those bats heated up? I mean, I say that, I mean, one of, you know, there were positives from the Philly series, like Freeman's still great. Um, Dansby Swanson yeah. looks like he's recovered from the wrist problems that kind of plagued him a lot in the second half of last season. Um, and now we're kind of in a situation where it's like, okay, let's just settle down. Um, you know, home kind of atmosphere. Uh, I think we're at home. Here we are. Um, uh, home kind of atmosphere <laughs> against the Marlins. I'm just looking at my screen there just to check. Um, <laughs> You're too yeah, busy looking like, where the Nats are playing. <laughs> something like that. Well, no, well, not that. I'm too busy watching the game. It's, it's like we're tied up. Um, but yeah, like t- to me, I, I, you know, we could lose the series. Two one, we could lose the series three to nothing. It wouldn't be the end of the world either way. I think no. it's just more a case of can we play a normal game of baseball? Like Monday was a bit of a weird game against the Cubs because Brian McCann came back. It's the home opener. A lot mm. of weird things are going on. It played out as a weird game because the Cubs could barely field the ball. Um, let's just have four or five normal days of baseball. Let's yeah. you know, let's 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 not watch a game and tear our hair tear our hair out or just go, what's going on? Yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to win the series, but the the the, the grander scheme of things, the difference between three 0 and two one at this stage in the year doesn't really matter. Um, no. If we can if we can win it either way and avoid and avoid losing it, then that's an achievement. If we drop one, that's okay. Yeah, well, I think the one thing, and I don't know how closely you followed the Marlins, probably not that closely, I'd guess. So. Um, the one thing that we did see in our opening series with the Rockies was bottom of the rotation or, you know, three and four, uh, uh, Pablo Lopez and Sandy Al- Alcantara were absolutely incredible uh, in their games. And, and uh, Alcantara went eight strong and could have gone nine easily if uh, if he wanted and uh, had a complete game and, shut, and would have had a, a, a shutout as well. So... Those guys are, are going to be tails up. They're both, you know, both young guys, and Caleb Smith's going to be rounding it out. 
on the on the Sunday, and you know, equally had a good return back from injury, um, albeit uh, took a loss. I think he ended up taking the loss against um, against the Mets in the first game. Um, so, but you know, real positive signs from those guys. You know, the Marlins are what they are in terms of a, a lineup. In the you know they're they're probably more of a a tip and run type team these days. There's not many guys in the lineup who are going to blow anyone away. I don't. I wouldn't say. Um, but it's you know it's the rotation that's the real area of excitement. I'd say across across the Marlins fan base or however yeah. small that may be. <laughs> I, I think if you're you know like I, I'm quite a big fan that the Marlins have kind of recognised that they've got a lot of young exciting exciting pitchers and gone. We're going to take all the roadblocks out of your way. Uh, what you did you DFA down Australia? Um, yeah, and, really and was DFA. You, you start chaining the pen and you just kind of went. We've got these young guys. I don't know a lot about any of them individually, it should be said. Um, yeah. You've kind of gone, we think you guys are almost ready in a year where it doesn't really matter. Go out there and show us what you've got. And yeah. that's exciting from a Marlins point of view in the sense that as, as useful as Dan Australia has been, you kind of know what Dan Australia is, right? And regardless Correct. of whether Jen's great, not great on the home or on the road, a guy that averages 9.5 ERA on the road isn't much cop for you. Um, if I'm a young Marlins pitcher, you're going to come against a lot of really good lineups this year. But yeah. kind of like embrace that. Like embrace going in and thinking like, uh, you know, I'm going to at some point on, uh, during the weekend, I'm going to have a... Uh, 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 I, I'm a young Marlins pitcher coming into an inning with Josh Donaldson in, in the box. I've got Freddie Freeman on deck and I've got Ronald Acuna in the hole. If yeah. I'm a Marlins pitcher, like that excites me. Like, let me see if I can get this guy out in the sense that it's not like anyone's going to blow up if you, if, if you give up a couple of runs against those guys. But on the flip side, it's like great opportunity to test myself out. Um, and so, yeah, like you're going to run into a lot of very useful lineups, but it yeah. sounds like you've got exciting young players and it's like, let them play, um, you know, and to split a series against a bloody good Rockies offense. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a, not a bad way to go. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how well that bet between myself, you and Rob comes off. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether you mentioned that on your uh, on your show last week, but the charity bet we've got and I'm I'm feeling relatively happy given that I'd have probably taken the bet at 65 wins, but you've given me it at 70. Um, so but yeah, like, you know, I. The Marlins, it's nice when you don't have many expectations in the sense that it means that you can lose games and not worry about it, but it means you can get quite excited when you do compete. Um, and a lot of teams are going to come to Marlins Park and think, we've got to take two from three here, if not mm-hmm. more. Um, yeah. And it ain't going to happen. You, well, it might, but it's, yeah, it's, that's true. it's more a case of like you can go in with low expectations and kind of test your, these young pitchers can test themselves individually. I, I'm a bit inclined to agree about the offense. Like that offense, you know, I don't know is going to win you a ton of games. Uh, mm-hmm. As much as I like Brian Anderson, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a ton around him yet. Um, but that's that's rebuilding baseball, right? The Braves that's went through it. a few years ago. Um, and to be honest, right now, given that the, the Mets kind of took a decision where they could have gone left and said we're going to rebuild the Mets said we're going to go and be aggressive probably not the worst time in the world for the Marlins to be going yeah we're not going to try and unnecessarily spend money yeah exactly that's uh that's that's the plan they're 
for once they've focused on the pitching. They're building up with the young guys. They look they look exciting. Uh, the hitting will come. There's you know, there's prospects that are, are looking you know exciting down you know down at AAA etc. So yeah, did we'll we see. want to talk about Urania and Acuna? Well, we we better had. I mean, we've we talked on it in our uh, in our Marlins podcast uh, earlier this week, actually. Um, you know, it's uh, he, he's obviously pitched already against the Mets this week, um, so he's not going to be he's not going to be pitching. We were jokingly saying, "Hey, he might end up being a, a pinch runner." You never know. And I said, "Well, even then, I'm sure there'll be a lot <laughs> a lot of checks on him at first base if <laughs> if he ends up with a helmet on." So, yeah. Um, I'd be interested to see, I guess, at some point, in all likelihood, he's going to be yeah. making a start against the Braves, yeah? And it'd be interesting to see what, how that plays out, whether, <laughs> whether they go at him, which I guess is, is the etiquette of baseball, it seems. Hey, you hit one of our guys, so you're getting one back, seems to be. I don't know. What, is, or is it, is it under the carpet for you guys now and forgotten? Well, I mean, I think the whole thing's stupid. Right, like the all of it, like the you know, being a guy because he's really good is stupid, right? And like the fact that baseball doesn't do enough to encourage that is really stupid. Um, the fact that it seems acceptable that you know, in retaliation, like one of our pitchers can hit one of your best hitters and that's like fine is also stupid. Like to to me, like if if you want to retaliate against Urania, walk up to the mound and knock his lights out. Like, that's, that's retaliation. Like, you know, I, I kind of felt sorry for, like, Anderson and Real Muto last year. Like, Real Muto behind the plate when Array did that. Like, oh, no, I'm going to get hit today. It's just like, all, the whole thing about it's stupid. But because it's entertaining, base, MLB won't do anything about it. Um, will he pitch against the Braves at SunTrust Park? Um, I guess he's got, I mean, if he stays in the rotation all year, mathematically, it's probably about a 50-60% chance he will. Doesn't look like he will do it in this loop. Um, he will get a frosty reception if he does. Let's say that. That is that is guaranteed, for sure. It's going to be frosty. I'm pretty sure if he does make an appearance at your place, then he's probably going to wear one. <laughs> well, um, well, I suppose... Well, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, if if he ends up starting a game and we end up beating him, like to me, like if we beat the guy back, we're no better than him. Like, you know, I know he started it first, and I know logic is well, we're beating him because he'd be one of our guys. He'd be one of our guys just because they're good. Okay. But, like, the whole thing's just stupid, right? Like, the whole idea that it's like, you're really good. I'm just going to hit you rather than pitch to you is mental. But like I say, no one really seems to care. Because if you wanted to eradicate this, you could do. They could have suspended him for 30 games last year as a result. Because I don't think anyone's going to sit there and argue it weren't deliberate. First pitch of the game, way yeah. higher side. Um, but they suspended him for five games, which is, is nothing. Like for a starting pitcher, that's like just long rest. Um, it's just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hook from the game he was in. The reality is, is that like people are going to make more out of it than they should. Baseball doesn't really care about players being intentionally hit. It seems to be part of the game. It's one of those things where you know it's entertaining and it gets clicks and it gets video views, and therefore they're never going to stop it. 
Arania's going to get a rough reception every time he pitches at SunTrust Park in the future. Yeah. I suspect, you know, I hope that it's in the past. Like, I'm pretty sure we quote-unquote got our own back. Um, I don't know whether we hit one of their players during the same game. I'm pretty sure we hit, was it Anderson during one of the return series at Marley's Yeah, Park? and Anderson took one, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I think that was from Sean Newcomb. I like to think it's over. I like to think, you know, yeah. in, even in those crazy scenarios and crazy set of rules that I set, set out just then, I like to think that we got our own back and it's considered done. And the only way it flares up if, is, is if Arrhenia is stupid enough to do it again, which he might be. But like <laughs> the, the, the fact that no one said this is absolutely ridiculous that a guy intentionally hit someone just for being really good. Um, the fact that more of that, more was the weight of that, is kind of on baseball, but baseball doesn't really care about it. Yeah, exactly. All right, great. Well, uh, it's been uh, awesome say, having. If I've run the fifteen minutes, so sorry I did say that. fifteen, but it's. Uh, I think we're up to just over half an hour, but we're giving we're giving the fans what they want. It's been awesome having you on, Bob. I think before we go, let's. Uh, I've already put it out there on the Marlins, um, the Marlins podcast that's already gone live. Uh, my prediction for the series, uh, which was well, was a two-one defeat for the in the Mets series, and then that's going to lead into a two-one win for the okay. Marlins away, which I think is was bold. I'm not sure all of my other Marlins colleagues were were going with that, but I'm putting out that I'm going to go two-one, two-one uh, for the Marlins um, away, which uh, is probably pretty bold. But what what let's let's have something from you, and we'll uh, we'll probably laugh at each other after uh, after after the series. Well, I, I think baseball's a game of baseball's a game that's too volatile to make much of predictions on individual three game series. So I'm just going to play it very safe and say Braves winning two one. Yeah, I think uh, I think in reality we're both, we're both winners. Most likely outcome, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So awesome. Well, there we go. We'll we're looking forward to the series. I think from a time perspective, both uh, Friday and Saturday are UK after midnight. Uh, unfortunately, from a start time. And then we've got the usual uh, UK friendly Sunday, uh, 6.20 uh, first pitch. So, you know, we'll look forward to watching those uh, live, I guess. Um, Bob, where, um, where on Twitter can people uh, hit you up and uh, I suppose hopefully give you some, some abuse or praise for this, <laughs> for this I, podcast? I, I've always said that I'm more than willing to give it out, but I'm also more than willing to take it. Uh, you can find me and Dave Hendy tweeting uh, on Twitter at Braves in the UK. Uh, Dave does most of the live game stuff because I probably get too sweary. Um, and, and, and to slightly fuel your earlier kind of conspiracy, I really don't mind not watching the Braves in the sense that there's loads of really good baseball to watch. Um, so I'm glad we've got Dave on board because he can do much more of the live game stuff and I can watch like some random game between the Indians and the Astros because I quite fancy it. Uh, but yes, you'll, you'll, you'll hear me chiming in on a lot of topics um, to do with baseball uh, at Braves in the UK. Awesome. Well, great to have you along. I think when we get round to one of the other series, we'll we'll pick this back up. I think at that point as well, we'll also be able to uh, 
on, within the podcast cover our fantasy performance in a couple of the leagues we're in. So we'll see how that goes as well. So well, I'm, I'm on record that six days into the season, the, the, the main team I've got, having basically given up on the other league, uh, the main team I've got currently has no steals. And I kind of feel, given that I basically drafted a lot of ageing hitters, along with Frankie Lindor and Michael A. Taylor, who are both on the DL, mm-hmm. um, and I get the feeling that by the time the next series comes around, I may still have zero steals on the basis right now I'm relying on Josh Donaldson Matt Carpenter and Joey Gallo um, three of the slowest hard hitting hitters in the league (laughs) might be some wheelchairs required there a little bit bit. Maybe so, um, but yeah, uh, we'll uh, we'll review that. I think when we've got a bit of a bigger sample size. I think so. I think that sounds sensible. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Bob. Uh, thanks again to the listeners. Uh, obviously, you can all follow me at Miami Marlins underscore UK, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to uh, seeing you again on episode five. Thanks again. See you guys.